0: Have you ever found yourself in a relationship of any sort that was wonderful in some ways, but fundamentally unsustainable, toxic, self-destructive, unworkable, and had to be destroyed? Well, if you have, this book that we're doing for this episode should have something that you'll recognize. it is the Fox Spirit of Bluestone Mountain. Yes, it is our very first Fox Spirit story on this podcast. It only took 74 episodes to get here, but we have got here. The author listed on the front cover is Zo Tao, but as you'll learn, it's maybe not quite that simple as to like where this story comes from, from what mind. The guest for this episode is the story's translator, Timothy Goldthorpe. I almost said Throp there who knows why i get Throp and Bart mixed up, I guess it's just one of life's mysteries. Anyway, I won't dally any more with this intro, I'll just take us straight into the Trutrophic News, the translated Chinese fiction news. So we got four items. The first, actually a couple of these are sort of sequels <laughs> to previous news things I've covered here or mentioned here in this little news segment. So the first is about an event that I think I was talking about in the last uh, news segment in episode 73 so this was the Chinese literature Readers Club June installation uh, on Jiang Zelong's Empires of dust and you may remember that the host of that session was me so I was interviewing the one of the book's two translators Olivia Milburn for a solid 40 minutes or so and then we had um, sort of um, questions going to the floor for the end segment of the um, event. It's a virtual event, and the link in the show notes will take you to the YouTube upload of that event. So you can you can watch me, you can see Olivia, and you can see um, I believe uh, yeah the book's uh, editor also makes a bit of a guest appearance. So it's a fun one. It's right now not really got very many views. So get in there, be one of the first people to watch this thing after the fact on on YouTube. Now the next piece of news: this is the return of Bogna Conwar. I, th- I think I'm pronouncing that right. She wrote an essay a ways back on the Dark Forest uh, theory that uh, appears in the Utsu Shin's infamous trilogy, Three Body Problem. Now, she's not put out another essay about it, but um, that, that essay has been sprinkled into a virtual exhibition as audio files, I guess. So maybe you'll hear someone, I'm not sure who, but you'll hear someone reading snippets of that essay as you explore a very strange science fictional virtual. Gallery. It's I. I can't really explain what it, what what it was like wandering around that virtual space on my laptop screen. I'll just leave it to you. Again, the link is in the show notes if you want to do that. And if you if you find those Easter eggs because I actually didn't find them, then let me know via the social media because you know I'd be interested to know how exactly they're done. Okay. Now the next news item. This is kind of topical. It's Sheng Kai. Uh, related, an author who I've not covered on the show, but whose name has appeared. There's a translation of one of her essays has been put up on publisher, uh, the website of the publisher McSweeney's. Now, McSweeney's published a book uh, called I Know What's Best For You, which was a, a collection of um, essays all about reproductive freedom. So you, you, might, you might see why this is uh, relevant to current news. I think that the original edition of that book was all US focused but they've released a supplement called I know what's best for you all over the world and I think if you order that original version you get the supplement the international <laughs> supplement uh, for free and they put up one of the essays from the international supplement on their website and it's the shanghai essay so it's called the wombs of China it's fairly short I confess I've not read the whole thing but it's very nicely laid out it's footnoted, it's dated and they've named the translator. I think yeah, they have named the translator. it's Jane Weijan Pan. So yeah check that out I suppose. If you don't know why that's relevant to current news, then perhaps you should watch the news a little bit more. Okay, last news item it's a competition. Although it's a competition a competition that many of you listeners probably won't be qualified to enter because it's for eight, uh, it's for 11 to 18 year olds. It's the lead center for new Chinese writings by Mei Gui, translation competition. It's the eighth one they've run. I'll just read the copy they've put out. That'll save me sort of trying to um, paraphrase it. I'll be doing that thing where I try to paraphrase it and then my phrasing ends up being longer than and, and less clear than theirs. So I'll just read their copy. So they say... We are delighted to announce that, following the success of our first two picture book competitions in 2018 and 2020, our competition this year will again be open exclusively to students in secondary education between 11 and 18 years old, and will once again be run in partnership with the Singapore Book Council and Balastir, or Ballastier press. It's free to enter with a link at the bottom of the page, so if you're learning Chinese at school, this could be a fantastic opportunity. Our text this year is written and illustrated by award-winning Taiwan author and illustrator Zhou Jianshin. The story is set in his hometown of Tainan and addresses themes such as the impermanence of life through a deceptively simple and beautifully illustrated children's fable. About a squirrel. The book was showcased at the Bologna Children's Book Fair in Italy in 2017. Uh, there is a prize as well. I'll just, again, I'll just read their copy about the prize. The author of the winning entry will have the chance to be mentored by award winning translator Helen Wang, who's awesome, by the way. She's just a, a hero. And to see their translation published as a picture book in a bilingual edition of the text by Ballistere Press. Wow, awesome. The winner will be formally announced in November, and the winning translation will be featured in a special program at the twenty twenty three Asian Festival of Children's Content. Wow, the AFCC in Singapore. The winning book will be marketed at the festival and to schools and libraries throughout the UK, Singapore, and worldwide. And the the judges are Nikki Harmon, Amanda Roaching Flynn, and Jennifer Feely. I don't know if Amanda's name has come up on the show before, but um, yeah, I believe Jennifer has, and Nikki Harmon definitely has. She's a friend of the pod. So, again, link to this is in the show notes. Remember, if you're over 18 or under 11, then you're not qualified for this one. But if you know a, a, a teenager, a, a little squirt that is um, an aspiring translator or learning Chinese, or indeed, learning English with um, Chinese as their first language, then this could be worth a pop uh, entering for them. So pass it on. That's the end of the translated Chinese fiction news. So I'll shut up now and well, I'll as a solo speaker, I'll shut up and then you'll have to listen to me again speaking to our guest. Um, so I'm not really going to shut up. But yeah, en- enough, enough of this. <laughs> So on the show, we have Timothy Goldthorpe, a translator of our book for this episode, The Fox Spirit of Blue Stone Mountain. Very exciting to have you here, Timothy. As I understand it, it's your first time on a podcast.
1: Uh, it is, and I'm very excited uh, to be here. Thanks
0: for inviting me. You're very welcome. So I'll just throw you in right into the, the shallow end with the first question for you. <laughs> Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your connection to literature slash Chinese literature? Uh, Sure. Uh,
1: Well, I was uh, born and grew up in Perth, Western Australia. Uh, I've always been interested in reading and in literature, Uh, but like so many others growing up in the English-speaking world, uh, it didn't occur to me at first that I might uh, want to learn or might need to learn a foreign language. In my early 20s, however, I did become interested in learning languages, uh, primarily so I could read literature in the original. Um, To begin with, it was uh, European languages. And then uh, after several years uh, with this, this background learning European languages, uh, I thought I might like to challenge myself with a, a more exotic language, a non-European language. Today we're going to be talking about fox spirits, a very a very seductive creature. I think learning a foreign language often involves a kind of seduction too. One is uh, seduced by the language and by the culture. Growing up in Perth, uh, I always enjoyed uh, family trips into Chinatown, uh, the strange writing, the pungent aromas of Chinese supermarkets, uh, the the wonderful scrolls of uh, Misty Mountains, uh, the the, the opulence of Cantonese restaurants with the golden tablecloths and the the red carpet. While I was at primary school, I was also a great fan of a a Japanese uh, production of the Ming Dynasty uh, novel Journey to the West, which I yeah. think we'll be talking about uh, a little bit uh, today. It was a, a wonderfully retro production with uh, magic clouds whizzing about and uh, a beautiful actress uh, playing the role of the priest Tripitaka. Now, If I think I really have to, uh, have to, to pin down one thing that really uh, made me decide to learn uh, Chinese, that really seduced me into learning Chinese, I think it would be a trip to the Art Gallery of New South Wales in Sydney where there was a special uh, exhibition of uh, calligraphy. The the controlled power and the uh, elegance of the calligraphy appealed to me greatly. And and I think like a lot of uh, Westerners uh, before me, I was also uh, fascinated by by what I then perceived to be the unique properties of Chinese characters uh, as a a vehicle for philosophical and uh, poetic expression. Now, now, once I really began learning Chinese, that uh, I began to find out that many of these ideas about uh, Chinese characters were, were based on common misconceptions. But, but nevertheless, there was so much about uh, the Chinese language and uh, Chinese culture that, that continued to seduce me, that uh, led me on. And eventually, uh, that opened up uh, for me the vast treasure house of Chinese uh, literature, in the vernacular language and in the literary classical language. Uh, And in that treasure house, of course, uh, I found quite by chance um, the the little gem we'll be talking about today, uh, a late uh, Ching Fox spirit novel.
0: That answer you gave had my mind casting back through the show's history. It was just reminding me, it reminded me of a few specific episodes that we've had. Uh, The talk about misconceptions about characters reminded (laughs) me of a few times, actually, different guests have brought up uh, Ezra Pound and his sort of nonsense, exactly his interesting nonsense <laughs> sort of ideas mm. about how they work, and you can see how that might, you know, appeal to a Westerner looking for something exciting. Mm. Uh, these ideas
1: are very, very per- pervasive. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Know, I thought something like, uh, I thought that uh, Chinese characters were primarily uh, ideographs, and that was, all, you know, all they were, something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, mentioning the 80s version of monkey that that's mm. come up i forget if that came up on our 50th episode party where we were doing a few different stories one of which or no it wasn't the party but it was around we did we did a special episode with lots of other guests and one of them was talking about a chapter of journey to the west so journey to the west came up there and there was another episode with julia lovell and her mm. new sort of uh fun translation that she did for penguin it was one or the other it came up but the the, the thing we talked about there was that inside China no one's really heard of that 80s Japanese show everyone thinks of the I guess it's the other 80s one the mainland production yes, which is production. which is
1: also very popular over there
0: yeah and I think it has a similar retro feel but the, the big difference is people watching this story there know what the hell what's going on but like I saw one episode of monkey here in the UK which must have been the 80s Japanese one that screened on uh, UK's channel 4. I just like, what, what what the hell is this? So you reminded me of that. And your mention mention of other languages remind me, reminded me of a relatively recent episode with um Jenna Tang, who is fluent in a few different kinds of Chinese. She's on the show, so she speaks English as well, but also had under her belt uh, Spanish, and I think either entire or bits and pieces of other European languages. And I think other guests as well we've had on the show have more than just these two languages under their belt. So what other languages do you do apart from Chinese?
1: Well, I I began, uh, funnily enough, with ancient Greek and Latin. Uh, As one does. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Well, (laughs) traditionally in the past one did, uh, Mm. but I didn't uh, acquire great uh, proficiency in those languages. Then I went on to learn uh, French, uh, Russian, uh, Dutch, Wow. Spanish. What else? Uh, uh, German. German to, to, to understand and to read, not so much to speak. Uh, a bit of Indonesian. Uh, and I'm learning Japanese now.
0: Holy moly. That was going to be my next question. Were you looking at any of sort of the neighboring languages to China?
1: Definitely. I think
0: that's what one uh, does. It's it's sort of a little
1: bit easier to move out uh, into related languages. If one learns uh, French, learning Spanish is a uh, is, uh, low-hanging fruit, uh, so to speak. Right.
0: Mm. yeah that's reminded me again the show's past when we had bruce humes on to talk about his translation of last quarter of the moon he's also very interested i guess in cultures other than his own and that's led him from china into turkey because he's become interested in oh. all the turkic languages so i guess okay. you're looking where you might first look for china's sibling languages to maybe like japanese or korean but he's headed through the sort of turkic route you know no it's fascinating. <laughs> Okay, last last thing, continuing the thread of like being interested in cultures like you were describing the way you were describing it, using the word seduction that might, I don't know, perhaps that feels a little weird to talk about it in that way. But conversely, think about the language we use to talk about having a strong interest in other cultures. We say if you're interested in, you know, English or British culture, it's Anglophile. If you're like French Mm -hmm. culture, you're a Francophile. And then I'm sure just about every listener has heard the word sign of file before. So maybe there's something mm. to that. That uh, good, good point. Definitely. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's not just
1: a, an interest. It's a real love uh, for the culture and the language. And I think yeah. without that, it's, it's very hard to uh, learn a difficult uh, language. If you're an English speaker and you, know, you really want to learn Chinese to the, to the level where you can, you can read the literature, it requires, uh, I
0: think, some degree of love or seduction. Yeah. At the very least, you've got to care. Mm. As the word seduction maybe implies, love can get weird, as we're going to learn in The Fox Spirit of Bluestone Mountain. So yes. let's get into that. Uh, what would you say is the basic premise of the story? Okay, so perhaps we can uh, begin
1: with our foxy protagonist, Jade Fox. Now, she is a hu li jing, uh, which means a uh, fox spirit in Chinese. In Chinese folklore, uh, fox spirits are foxes that after many years sometimes 50, sometimes 100, acquire magical capabilities, uh, and in particular, the ability to shape shift to transform themselves. In the case of uh, fox spirits, they tend to transform themselves into beautiful women. There are examples of male fox spirits, but uh, typically they're, they're females. These fox spirits are said to have nine tails, and they're often depicted as being extremely uh, raunchy. As being extremely uh, licentious, seducing men, and in some accounts harming them by stealing their vigor or their semen essence. So Jade Fox is one such fox spirit. She lives in a remote cave on Bluestone Mountain, and one day catches sight of and decides to seduce uh, the young Master Joe. Young Master Joe is a handsome young man, and he's uh, studying for the all-important imperial examination. After the death of his father, he's living with a loyal servant. Jade Fox transforms herself into a ravishingly beautiful young girl and pretends uh, very improbably that she's uh, an ordinary human girl uh, from a good family uh, living a few kilometres away from the young master's household. Now, Jade Fox is actually uh, almost 10,000 years of age. So we have to keep this in mind. There's a bit of an age gap between, between uh, the, two, the two lovers. Uh, she's uh, much more experienced and uh, I don't think the young master stands much for chance. Um, she visits the young master in his study where they uh, do things like uh, drink tea, discuss poetry and uh, get up to a lot uh, more besides. At first, the loyal servant thinks the master has uh, shut himself up in the study uh, to study diligently for the imperial examination. But gradually, it becomes apparent that the young master is looking more and more uh, haggard. He's, uh, hes its obvious that he's falling—he's uh, fallen ill, and also comes to light that he's been receiving uh, nocturnal visits from a beautiful young woman, which is very suspicious.
0: So, all listeners, if you, if you walk in on your partner and your partner seems awfully haggard, ask if he or she has been drinking tea and discussing poetry, and if if he or she is evasive, then. It's time to be on your guard.
1: Definitely. Especially uh, if they've been shutting themselves up uh, somewhere uh, all night and sleeping all day.
0: Yeah. And if you find ginger hairs in the room. Mm. It's Probably a oh, fox that, or a ginger,
1: but you've really got to worry if 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 you find out that a, a little boy in your neighbourhood has uh, has
0: gone <laughs> has been has got missing, murdered
1: <laughs> and has been devoured. Yes, yeah, if, the, if a pile of bo- bones and a bloody uh, pool is all that remains, because that's what happened, and that was really the final trigger for the loyal servant. You know, when this happened, you know, he really knew that uh, some kind of a mox monster or a
0: fox spirit was. Uh, was troubling the young master. I think it's worth saying here that thus far in the story, Jade Fox seems a little bit malicious, but not entirely bad. She, you know, she she's not just out to be evil for evil's sake. She has some relatable motivations of like, I want to have fun with this young man. But then the moment someone questions her, this little boy tries to call her out. She's like, well, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill this this nasty little brat she turns into a fox and then literally the book doesn't like turn the camera away. It describes how in Fox form, she likes rips him to shreds. It's quite a, whoa, what just happened moment in the text. I thought anyway.
1: And and it's, it's actually quite out of keeping, not only for Jade Fox, but for Fox spirits in general, um, they're ambiguous creatures. They can harm uh, people through uh, these liaisons, but they don't tend to a, uh, they're not uh, predatory monsters. So even for Jade Fox, uh, this is a bit uh, a bit out of keeping. But anyway, um, having found out that the young master is being troubled by a monster or by a fox spirit, uh, the loyal servant seeks out the assistance of a famous uh, Taos priest who lives nearby. And unfortunately, this Taos priest uh, turns out to be a, a charlatan. He's a, he's a comic character, a likeable rogue. Uh,
0: and he's he receives a humiliate...
1: Well, <laughs> we can talk about this this later. It depends. He's a he's yeah. a he's a rogue. He's a charlatan. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think he's a nasty character. Uh,
0: no, yeah, not evil with a big E.
1: He's, he's not evil. Uh, in some ways, he's likable. I suppose it depends on your on your taste. Uh, yeah. But he's certainly a charlatan and very boastful, um, and and a drunkard. Mm. Uh, uh, so he, he receives a humiliating beating and he comes back with all of his uh, Taoist friends, his colleagues, and they think together perhaps they can deal with the, the, the fox spirits. but no, they're humiliated and uh, their Taoist paraphernalia is uh, desecrated by Jade Fox and her foxy spirits. Uh, and with things rapidly um, uh, deteriorating, uh, the immortal, the great immortal Ludong Bing, uh is forced to intervene he descends from heaven uh, and and at first uh he decides to he decides to discuss things with uh, Jade uh, fox but uh jade fox uh is 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 very arrogant she's very haughty uh and she even insults the great immortal accusing him of being uh, a womanizer and a bit of a drunkard now i don't want to give the whole story away but a, a huge battle ensues in which uh, Jade Fox and her ragtag army of fox uh, spirits and other creatures are pitted against uh, the forces of heaven. Does the young master survive? Uh, does uh, Jade Fox uh, win the battle? I guess uh, people have to read the book to find out.
0: Right. Okay. So I'll rein, try and read it in on the spoilers for the, the last mm. act. Okay. Now the, the book also comes packaged with an intro which lays out some of the origins of the text which are pretty interesting Mm. because the cover of the book we've got the author's name Zhou Tao but I Mm. think at least technically we're not 100% certain that Zhou Tao wrote the book is that right? That's that's correct good point um
1: the novel was first published in 1888 under the nom de plume uh, which means a moon-drunk hermit uh, the identity, as you mentioned, the identity of the author hasn't been determined with certainty, but it's very likely to be uh, Zoltao. Tao was born in uh, Jiangsu province in 1850, and he died in Shanghai in 1931. Uh, he worked as an educator, uh, at one point as the principal of a girls' school, and also as a, a newspaper editor. Uh, Tao wrote other novels and collections of stories fe- featuring uh, romantic liaisons and supernatural themes. Whoever the author was, uh, presumably Zoltau, the author clearly draws inspiration from a number of uh, other works in the Chinese uh, canon, such as Journey to the West, which makes sense if it was uh, Tao because Zoltau was clearly someone very much uh, immersed in the Chinese literary uh, tradition. Uh, He wrote, for instance, uh, an index to Chinese vernacular novels. Uh, And I mentioned, by the way, that the novel is written in the vernacular language, which is... uh, closer to the spoken language as opposed to uh, classical Chinese. Interesting. I think it was T.S. Eliot who once said that uh, immature poets uh, imitate while mature poets steal. And I think that's what uh, Zoltal, whoever the author is, uh, does with this uh, novel in a good way. Um, he, he develops a very basic plot into a book-length story uh, while drawing on other works like Journey to the West or The Investiture of the Gods for Inspiration. But creating in the end something which is, uh, which I think is uh, very unique and uh, and very entertaining in its mix of uh, comedy and action and uh, romance.
0: And is it fair to say that this is essentially an adaptation from the stage to the page? This has its roots in theatre.
1: Oh, excellent point. Yes, because there is uh, there there is a pre-existing basic narrative which is found, for instance, in a Quan Ming opera. Uh, called uh, inviting the master to slay the demon, uh, and as in our novel, uh, this narrative involves uh, a nine-tailed fox, a loyal servant, um, uh, a young man uh, by the, the name of Joe, and also the immortal Du Dong Bing. So definitely, the author uh, of our novel has taken, I think, this very basic plot and uh, and developed it uh, a lot, drawing on many uh, on many works in the tradition and uh, produce something new.
0: Right. Um. Again, I'm going to reach back into this show's history uh, to the very first episode, uh, which was about Lu Shun, partly about his story, Diary of a Madman, but also about the, the uh, era he was writing in, which has popped up a few times on the show. So the sort of early 20th century, when I think, at least in the academic world, the big Chinese, the the yeah, the big names in Chinese lit that pop up are... May 4th progressive uh, lefty writers who were doing a few different things, one of which was trying to bring about this shift from writing in classical to vernacular. Well, um, I don't know about the others actually, but certainly Lu Xun probably would have hated this story because he wanted a, a switch to realism, seriousness, and a turn away from fantasy and romance. And this is totally a fantasy romance book. On, but then on the other hand, like you said, um, it's written in the vernacular, which is a choice, I guess. It's a way to popul- popularize the literature to ordinary people. But also the fact that he was headmaster at a girls' school and that he ended up in Shanghai is interesting in itself. Because I guess schools se- segregated into male and female might not seem very progressive now. But at that time in China, I think, I think just having girls in school is a progressive move as far as I'm aware. Definitely. I believe it was a French school. He was actually uh, teaching in a, in a French school. Oh, uh, mm. right. Okay. Mm. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have any deep point to make there. Mm. just thought I'd give, give some context for anyone who tuned into episode one and then mm. skipped right up to but, this but, one. But
1: definitely, as opposed to Louis units, it's a marvelously apolitical book, isn't mm. it? Uh, I think it's a, an entertaining, uh, uh, moving uh, story. There's no, I think, obviously, there's no, no, no political uh, message in the
0: book. Um, there's no message. But we could analyze it.
1: I think there's there's a general uh, uh, moral message, uh, you know, uh, uh, an encouragement towards uh, benevolence and compassion. But uh, but certainly uh, no no political message uh, 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 in the way that uh, many modern Chinese uh, novels uh, uh, contain a very clear political uh, message.
0: Yeah, if we have a left right wing spectrum, we're not going to be able to put Jade Fox on it. Not at all. No, <laughs> it's very much within
1: really the the class the classical tradition of uh, dynastic uh,
0: China. Yeah. Okay. Although I do challenge listeners to do that if they want to drop all the read the book and drop all the characters in the political compass. Then I'd love to see that. Right. I think we've gone through all the basics. Uh, I guess we can talk about why the book's fun, what makes it entertaining, what makes it a page turner, despite being so old. Um, I did in some parts more than others, but definitely there were parts of the, the story whereas excited to know what would happen next or I thought it was an entertaining scene or it made me chuckle or it got me thinking about uh, what exactly is going on in the character's heads because a thing I did notice is there's a reasonable amount of interiority we we get told what the characters are thinking occasionally and it's it's a bit more well like for example in uh, anything else from this period I've read I can't think of a moment where the character said and then so-and-so thought this and wasn't sure and, ha- and had an internal debate and then finally took an action. Like, that was more modern than I expected. I, I realise I've immediately derailed... I was trying to move us forward and I've derailed us into another side question, but what did you think about that when the characters sort of have debates with themselves or we we are privy to their thoughts?
1: Oh, I think that's, that's an excellent point. Um, and I do think it's actually... Uh... Uh, as you mentioned, quite unusual uh, in the traditional uh, Chinese uh, tradition. And I certainly can't think of anything uh, quite like it featuring a fox spirit. Now, on the one hand, you have much longer vernacular novels like Journey to the West, uh, but they tend to be uh, more, more episodic. They don't have such a tightly knit uh, plot. Uh, and then you have much shorter collections of supernatural happenings like uh, Lao Jai, Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio Mm. or The Shadow Book of uh, of Ji-Yun. But in these short accounts, we can't really go behind the scenes into the interiority uh, of the characters, as you mentioned, not only because the account is relatively short, but also, I think, uh, because these accounts, at least purportedly, um, are being presented as real events. So we can only see them uh, from the human perspective. We don't tend to go... uh, uh, behind the scenes and see what the fox spirit is, uh, is thinking. But as for the entertaining quality of the novel, that's actually why I decided to translate this novel. I thought it was uh, quite apart from the, the, the wealth of references to traditional Chinese culture and folklore that might be interesting to a Western audience. I thought that the story itself would uh, or might be uh, entertaining to contemporary readers uh, outside of China. Now, now, I don't think all literary fiction involves an exciting and uh, well-structured plot uh, with characters with whom one c- can relate, but I, I certainly think uh, most popular fiction does and most uh, mm. popular movies. And I think this uh, novel has something of the, the type plot uh, and uh, interesting characters of a well-crafted movie script. Uh, we have three, three threads which are interwoven. We have, first of all, the, the start, the first thread with a young master and his loyal servants. And then we have uh, Jade Fox doing her thing on her remote mountain cave. And then there's the, the third thread, which is the comic uh, wine-guzzling, uh, meat-eating Taoist priest uh, who has had the good fortune to become the disciple of uh, Lu Dongbin Bing after Lu Dongbin Bing visits him incognito as an impoverished priest. And I think uh, to bring the discussion back to uh, the different perspectives, the interiority, I think that's used quite well as a vehicle for comedy in the novel. We know, for instance, that the Taoist priest is, in fact, a buffoon, merely pretending Mm -hmm. to have uh, magical powers. But the loyal servant really thinks he is a powerful master.
0: Yeah, it takes quite a while for his scepticism to kick in.
1: That's right. Well, he's renowned locally. You know, he doesn't—he doesn't know that he's a, a fraud. And we, of course, know that Jade Fox is—is—is is, is a powerful fox spirit, almost ten thousand years old. Uh, but uh, the poor young master has has no idea. Uh, even though, by the way, I think uh, really uh, alarm bells should uh, start ringing. Uh, uh, the fox calls herself uh, Miss Hu, who uh, is a common. Uh, is a common surname in, in, in China, Hu Jintao, the former president of China, for instance. But, of course, it's also a homonym uh, for Fox. So, in short, I think, I think the novel is very entertaining. It contains all the, the key elements that make for an entertaining uh, story, uh, an exciting plot, colourful characters, a combination of romance, action and uh, comedy. And, and finally, without wanting to give uh, the end of the story away, I think it's, in the end, quite a moving story. There's a there's a, an appealing vein of compassion to be found in the story, uh, at least for me, uh, which is in contrast to the cruelty and the very harsh sense of justice that one so often finds in uh, fairy tales.
0: What, what you were saying about it having a little bit of everything, I think, is very true. Like, if you think of um, the most mainstream uh, movie, at least, because I guess movies have replaced novels that, as the popular entertainment of the time since the early 20th century like a marvel film they literally do have you know a little bit of action a little bit of comedy i suppose they don't tend to have anything very sexy they're very asexual movies but um i don't know maybe if you think more of like a 90s or turn of the millennium cheesy action film they would have all three of those things that does feel like a very popular sort of technique but i didn't it didn't grate on me very much like there were some comedy scenes that genuinely did kind of make me smirk like where the useless Taoist is trying to go after the fox but of course anytime he sees her even if she's in the form of a completely harmless harmless young woman you can tell he's he's bricking it and he starts making excuses yeah. I'm sure as well there's maybe a scene where perhaps I've mixed this up in my head where he he goes down one corridor and he sees again a harmless young woman but he knows it's a demon is terrified looks around another corridor and of course, it's one of her fellow allies and exactly the same uh, sort of guy. So you have this, you know, kind of very cartoon-like image of a guy running around, seeing a pretty young woman around every corner and losing his mind. I don't know, I just find that very funny. But then conversely, um, I won't spoil how it ends, but there is some quite sincere emotions, uh, some feeling between a couple of the characters. And it's like, wow, I... Um, this is a very different story from the one I was reading 50 pages ago and yet it does work and on a completely unrelated note but again a thing that makes this I think still somewhat accessible is it's not very long like you said it's not a short story but it's also not an almost unreadable book like uh, Journey to the West or or Dream of Red Chambers uh, where it's going to take you well unless you're unemployed it's going to take you months to read properly unless you've got an abridged version. So yeah, like I was able to read this. I read about half of it on one sunny weekend afternoon in my garden. And I think that was the perfect sort of setting for reading this book. Maybe
1: a mountaintop near, and near a cemetery might be might have been even better.
0: Mm, but in the sunshine with a, mm. a nice drink in my hand. Mm,
1: f- safe, uh, far away from uh, any potential fox spirits.
0: Yeah, yeah. If there are any in Cheshire, then I'm, I'm yet to find them. So you mentioned earlier that Jade Fox is our protagonist, but maybe is, is that up for debate? Do you think she is, could she be called the antagonist? Who are we supposed to be cheering on? Should we be cheering on uh, old Head, the the manservant, who is the guy trying, essentially the guy leading the charge and trying to stop Jade Fox? Should we be identifying with the young scholar? Because of course you always identify with the young intelligent man in a story. Should we identify with the various competent and incompetent forces of justice who are there to stop jade fox like do you think it is um easy to pin down who we should be cheering on and what we want the outcome to be who we want to win
1: Mm -hmm. well that's a good question uh and i think this is a book in which we sympathize to some extent at least with all of the protagonists and we therefore desire an outcome where at least none of the characters are or for me at least this is just my personal uh, reading uh we desire an outcome where none of the characters are destroyed or humiliated without any possibility at all of future redemption. Although once a war breaks out between Heaven and Jade Fox, it's not easy to see how such a, an outcome remains possible. Now, let's start with the easy one, uh, the young master and his loyal servant. Now, I think it's quite easy to sympathise with both of them. The young master is a nice young man who's uh, whose only fault is to have foolishly fallen for the wiles of Jade Fox. But remember, she's almost 10,000 years old, so he doesn't, he doesn't really stand a chance against an experienced and powerful fox spirit.
0: It's a real, real Edward and Bella situation.
1: <laughs> That's right. We, we certainly don't want to see the poor young master waste away and uh, die. Uh, and as for old Horryhead, his loyal servant, uh, he's a sterling example of uh, Confucian loyalty and wisdom, uh, I don't think we want to see his uh, selfless, tireless efforts to save the young master nearby, save the household, because it's uh, he's the only son in the household. We don't want to see all of that uh, come come to nothing. Uh, so I think that's pretty clear. A bit more ambiguous is the Taoist priest. Uh, yes, he's a charlatan, and yes, he makes all kinds of ridiculous boasts. Um, and we might be uh, amused to see him get taken down a peg or two by Jade Fox as punishment for all of that uh, hot air and boasting. But uh, for me, at least, I don't, I, I still want uh, to have held open for him the possibility of him eventually redeeming himself uh, as a Taoist priest. Um, I don't think he's an evil character. Yeah. That brings us, of course, to Jade Fox. Uh, and I think she is the, the really ambiguous character in the novel. And I think uh, ambiguity is one of the characteristic traits, uh, not only of Jade Fox, but of Fox spirits in general. Uh, as we've already discussed, uh, Jade Fox displays at times quite evil behaviour. She's aware that the young master uh, is gradually uh, falling ill uh, and is on death's door because of her, uh, but she's quite uh, callously indifferent to his fate. She, of course, also viciously devours the little boy So this is is downright evil behaviour. But nevertheless, uh, in spite of her callousness, in spite of her violence against the young boy, I think she does remain uh, an engaging and an attractive figure uh, in a way as a fox spirit. I think it can be said that she uh, seduces not only the young master, but to some extent she also also, uh, seduces the readership. We're seduced into sympathising with her in spite of her bad behaviour. Uh, Yes, it's clear that she needs to learn a lesson. She needs to be taught to to refrain from harming people in future. And yet, uh, I
0: think we we don't want to see her destroyed. So I, I pretty much agree with everything you said there. And it just occurs to me now, if as a reader, you don't end up hating or judging Jade Fox, then for you as that reader, there's not really a bad guy. There are a lot of characters who need to get brought down a peg and do. So for example, Jade Fox turns a blind eye to a lot of the wrong things she does and is very quick to anger, but is also smart, kind of witty, likes to have fun. So like you said, she's kind of a seductive character in the sense that it's quite easy to be won over to feeling sympathetic for her. And the young master you have a guy who's who's a bit lazy, um a bit uncritical, but is a good lad. Um, in the rogue, the rogue tao- Taoist, uh, we have a guy who's a bit of a scumbag, but you know he's 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 essentially harmless. And then later, in some of the forces of justice that come in, I guess they think that I won't spoil who they are, but they think that it's going to be a cakewalk. But they learn that actually Jade Fox is able to give them a run for their money, and that might sound a little bit like uh, a story from another famous Chinese novel that we already mentioned, Journey to the West, where the Monkey King takes on, well, it, it just, it's like a, a bad game of Grand Theft Auto, basically. He picks a fight with the police and it escalates all the way up to the armies of heaven. And he becomes the guy using all the cheat codes, launching his rockets at the, the proverbial helicopters. He's, he's taking on all the power of heaven and gives them a run for their money and eventually loses, which is not that different from Jade Fox's trajectory. It's just everything escalates rather quickly, given that the novel's quite short. And I've, I, I thought about that as I was reading, and I thought she's, she's not a million miles different from him. She's, like you said, she's kind of slippery. She transforms into a lot of different shapes. She's very quick to anger, just like Sun Wukong, just a kind of very reactive personality. And I guess is not great at saying no to her impulses, because she really wants to romance uh, the young master and she just decides to do it. Doesn't maybe stop and think exactly like a human, your average human might, despite being all too human at the same time. So I just wanted to ask, like, as you were translating the book or um, coming back to it now or whenever, did you find yourself thinking of of Monkey King? Definitely. Uh, definitely.
1: And I definitely think the author, presumably as Old how. Uh, is drawing inspiration from Journey to the West and The Monkey King. And also, I think, uh, in particular, uh, with the battle scenes, uh, the Ming uh, novel, The Investiture of the Gods, by uh, Xu Zhonglin, uh, Feng shan bang. Um But I think The Monkey King, King uh, Sun Wukong and Jade Fox, have a num- number of similarities. They're both outsiders. Mm-hmm. They're not quite gods, and they're not human. Uh, they're both rather lawless, and they're not limited by... Uh, any kind of a hierarchy. I think it's interesting. uh, Fox spirits don't tend uh, normally to have uh, parents. And uh, the monkey king, of course, was born from a stone egg. Both Swinell Kong and Jade Fox uh, have pretensions uh, of being uh, mortals or, in the case of the monkey, uh, a great king, a great sage, equal of heaven. And they're both extremely sensitive to perceived uh, slights because of their animal origins. Uh, right, Jade Fox is extremely sensitive to any mention of her furriness. <laughs> uh, and it's interesting that in both cases, attempts are made by heaven to subsume them within uh, a celestial hierarchy. In Jade Fox's case, Lu Dong Bing tries to reason uh, with her. And in the case of Swan Kong, uh, the gods get together and they come up with a plan. They try and placate the monkey king by offering him a lowly official position Caring for the heavenly steeds uh, on the island of the immortals, uh, Penglai. But in both cases, uh, the two characters refuse to accept a subservient uh, position and they rebel. Uh, Jade Fox uh, makes war against the forces of heaven, and uh, Suan U Kong runs amok in the heavenly palace, uh, Da Nao Tiangong. And one other interesting uh, comic point uh, in common is that their preferred means of uh, of transportation is mobile. They both fly
0: around on uh, on clouds. Mm-hmm. i was just going to say um, the bargain they're offered is a little different. The the Monkey King one sort of boils down to put the gun down. We'll give you a banana. We'll give you a job. <laughs> and with um, Jade Fox, it's if I remember, if I'm remembering right, it's look, you've um, you've literally studied for millennia, cultivating yourself with Taoist magic. So why on earth are you screwing around with young men? Why are you picking fights? Look, come on, put that train. We would hate it if we had to kill you and essentially delete all of that cultivation that you've accumulated, that you've built up. Almost like someone filling up their bank account. I just thought it was um, an interesting sort of reason to not want, so like it kind of follows that no matter how many evil things she did, the fact that she had a few thousand years of cultivation in the bank meant that there was reason to spare her life it's just an interesting sort of thing i i can't think of any equivalent of that sort of rationale from like a uh anything from europe be it greek mythology or things from like medieval beowulf or something it's interesting logic i'm trying did i have anything else to say there uh i don't think i did yeah just um yeah just the monkey king comparisons were interesting
1: and I think you made a very good point there. It's interesting that uh, the idea of sparing Jade Fox because of her almost ten thousand years of uh, esoteric uh, training—that's that's the perspective of Lu Dongbin, uh, mm. the the great immortal who himself was a, was a, uh, according to tradition a human during the Tang Dynasty, and he himself uh, through cultivation uh, acquired immortality and magical powers. Uh, And I think Lu Dong-Bing's perspective is quite different from the heavenly forces. Uh, The King of Heaven, for instance, who represents a much more uh, rigid view of justice, insisting that crimes are punished and that uh, offenders, uh, uh, that an example is made of uh, offenders. Uh, Mm -hmm. But Lu Dong-Bing's perspective is quite different. He's a lot more uh, sympathetic to Jade Fox and her efforts. Um, and he doesn't, interestingly enough, he doesn't re- re- rebuke her for what he sees as uh, minor breaches of conventional morality. He seems to realise that uh, foxes will be foxes. Uh, her tendency to licentious behaviour can be overlooked. Uh, and nor does he seem to seek revenge against Jade Fox because uh, she was so insulting to him or because uh, she uh, desecrated the Tao's paraphernalia. What he does rebuke her for is killing the young boy, and, uh, and harming the young master. And I think these are very, very basic moral principles that uh, mm. anyone human or fox spirit might be expected to live up to, uh, not draining people of their life essences and uh, not eating people.
0: Yeah, listeners, uh, don't do either of those things, please. <laughs> it's, it's not nice and you'll go to jail. <laughs> or at least our uh, Lu Dong Bing will come and our uh, remonstrator with you. Yeah, exactly. And that would just be awkward for everyone involved. <laughs> I, I realise I jumped a little bit ahead of myself there doing the uh, comparative uh, analysis. So I'm going to rewind us back to good old morality. Um, so there is a, a line in your translation, and I guess in the original Chinese, where someone says something, I think I'm paraphrasing slightly, but they say, look, there is a distinction between good and evil and you forgot about that. And I thought that was kind of well put because a lot of the time, like I said, it doesn't feel like anyone is going out of their way to do anything malicious apart from when Jade Fox eats the boy, that that was done in anger and it wasn't right. But a lot of the time, her problem I think is more that she's amoral. So when the forces of heaven come down at the end uh, and say, look, actually, God damn it, good and evil are real things. And you need to be reminded of that. I thought that was interesting. but do you, do you think it's so simple? Do you think there is a good and evil in the story? I actually do.
1: I, I think there is a very basic uh, moral position being presented, and that's uh, and that's the one represented by uh, by Ludong Bing. Mm. Uh, I think there is a moral uh, uh, um, perspective being offered, and that's that uh, Jade Fox, although she's acquired power through her al- alchemical uh, studies. Uh, she's yet to acquire wisdom. Uh, she's yet to uh, acquire the ability to uh, show uh, sympathy for other people. Uh, that's, I think, the lesson that she needs to learn before she can become a true uh, fox
0: immortal. Yeah, which is it's ironic that she's so old but is still kind of juvenile in that sense. Mm. It's maybe a reason. I think that might be a reason why her bond with the young master to me r- rang very true. They both they both feel like. They're like twenty-one years old, despite hmm. <laughs> her actually being twenty-one thousand or, or something. Yeah. So the the on the point of her trying to uh, trying or failing to sort of elevate herself, aspire upwards. Um, a lot of things in the story reminded me of a book I'd read not long before, which you've already mentioned the the Shadow Book of Ji Yun, where hmm. um, I think it was in the common I can't remember if it was in Ji Yun's own commentaries on some of the spooky tales he was relating or whether it was the translator's um, commentary I think it was both but there was um, a, a point made that look in in Chinese mythology or if, if you um, are adopting sort of Ji Yun's point of view in the world all things aspire to like a higher form and will basically get there over time so if a broom for example to <laughs> I guess that, a broom is a good one, because that will work in the Chinese context, but we might also be thinking of uh, the magician's apprentice. Uh, if you, if a broom is left along long enough, it will develop a spirit and will eventually become a human, which is secretly a broom, and perhaps give it long enough and it will become an immortal. Give it longer still and it will ascend up to heaven and, and join the gods. And, you know, despite having, uh, you know, spent some years in China and then spent Just as many years now after the fact, reading a lot of the fiction and nonfiction in translation, reading books, wasting time online, I'd never encountered that idea before because I guess I am a little bit more biased to the the modern stuff. So Hmm. I just wanted to say, like before before you started translating the book, had those sorts of ideas about cultivation um, and spirits been on your radar at all?
1: They had, but in in the Chinese tradition. Right. Uh, you're you're right. The Chinese uh, tradition is, is very different from the Western uh, tradition. As I begin beginning, I think it's quite interesting that in the Chinese tradition, uh, the the heavens uh, uh, mirror in many ways the mortal realm, and there's no absolute glass ceiling sealing off the gods uh, from humans and from
0: other creatures. Right, because um, in Journey to the West, they go to Thunderclap Mountain, which is the Buddha's base, which is just a mm, real mountain in India. Mm.
1: That's right, so they, but they can move free, you know, immortals can move freely between heaven and earth. Uh, and as we've mentioned in the case of Lu Dongbing, Bing, uh, a human, an ordinary human can uh, become an immortal. Uh, a fox spirit through cultivation can become a fox goddess or an immortal. Uh, Lu Dongbing Bing was even once said to have taken on an evil willow tree spirit as a disciple. So even a, a willow tree can, uh, if it's uh, diligent enough and if it's given uh, low enough, uh, train itself uh, and and acquire eventually
0: the status of of an immortal and if you, no matter how evil you are you can always be one back over away from the dark side
1: there's always that uh, that possibility
0: that's right the possibility of aspiring upwards mm-hmm. um
1: but the heavenly realm to begin with i think is quite similar in the Tri- chinese tradition to the human realm in particular it's quite uh, bureaucratic I always was amused to find in the the first uh, story in uh, Lao Tze, Strange Tales from a Chinese Pavilion, that uh, a man dies and uh, finds himself in the afterlife, uh, in an examination hall of all places, uh, where he's uh, taking an examination to become a tutoria uh, deity, the god in charge of a of a city. So in heaven, as is as is as in uh, as is on earth, uh, as is on earth in. Uh, dynastic China. Uh, and likewise, when Liu Dongbin wants to summon Jade Fox to appear before him, uh, you know, he writes a formal summons and calls upon uh, the local uh, earth God as a kind of celestial postman. man.
0: When I first learned that in uh, the Chinese cosmology, the afterlife is a hell, and it's definitely hell because it has banknotes and a bureaucracy. So, as a, as a living person, you have death and taxes, and then as a dead person, you're probably still going to have to deal with taxes. <laughs> just, uh, just damn, that's awful.
1: <laughs> well, that's right. There's there's, there's there's money, and if there's money, well, there's a. It's reasonable to presume that there are, there are taxes. Uh, Another financial institutions.
0: There will at least be someone screwing
1: you. Uh, the distinction isn't absolute, uh, not only between heaven and uh, the, the the mortal uh, realm, but also between humans and uh, creatures like foxes. Uh, as you mentioned, fox spirits in many ways uh, are quite similar to humans. They're not like, uh, for instance, they're not like uh, hopping, the famous uh, hopping zombies, the jangshi. Mm. Uh, they're able to speak. Uh, uh, they're able to uh, interact with humans. And, and that's why they're so attracted to humans, I think. And yet they're very ambiguous creatures. They don't necessarily uh, abide by human morality. And uh, female fox spirits in particular are unrestrained in a way that human women in ancient China could never have been. Uh, there's, no, there's no patriarchal figure uh, looking, looking over them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's what makes them, uh, I think, uh, a potentially uh, destructive, uh,
0: potentially uh, dangerous entity. And I would guess, at the time this story came out, and like probably even more so in the past, you might hear a plane going overhead. That must have been part of the appeal of the fantasy of, of the novel is that you get to see uh, a very liberated woman, but then you you get the thing you so often get in fantastical stories, where you're given the sort of temporary temporary um, uh, break from nor- convention. You get to see the radical new future where you have a a woman who can do what she wants but then the story has its cake and eats it by bringing her back into line so you get um people who hate that hate it will be happy at the end and people who are hoping for a maybe more radical future at least get a glimpse of it in the story and i think you can probably see that in a lot of different um a lot of different fiction throughout the ages There was a question i wanted to ask about um nature so we i had this written down but i i Veered away as I so often do, but I'll bring it back to this question. So we have we have mankind, we have the humans of the story, and we've we've established the fact that the heavens are not behind a big glass barrier; that the two are quite permeable. But there's a sort of a third world in this story, and and that's nature and animals, because like like we were saying, um, just like an animal, um, Jade Fox uh, is reactive and. Potentially quite dangerous, just like the Monkey King, but also just like the Monkey King, she has a mountain base and she's surrounded by lots of other um animals of her own species. She has all her little fox pals. Although, like you were saying, she doesn't have a hierarchy. So, Monkey King is king of the monkeys, but she just seems to be sort of a associate with her fellow foxes. But anyway, getting back to the point, when things escalate, she raises an army, and she does have her fox uh, spirit sisters with her but that's not what the entire army is made of. It's something, <laughs> it gets, I find this pretty funny. She has like little rabbits showing up with swords and stuff. She has all the creatures of the forest um, showing up to help her. And you have, for me, it was funny. I don't know if it was intended to be funny, but there are wolves and, and what have you, but there are also little cute animals, but who are in ferocious mode. And it's an interesting thing, like in in all religions, whether nature is on is something that acts in line with, you know, the will of heaven or the gods, or whether uh, nature is Satan's church, whether nature is this evil thing that you've got to aspire away from to become more divine. So, like, I don't know, do you, do you have any thoughts about what nature is in, in the story? I think it's, it's an interesting point that, of course,
1: not only are fox spirits, but all kinds of animals can can acquire magical capabilities in the Chinese tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, actually, uh, rabbit spirits are quite common. There are, there are tales of, of rabbits that can transform themselves into into human form, for instance. I think this idea of nature is very important in the Taoist tradition. Uh, attempts are made in some way to, to harness the way or harness the essence of nature. And by harnessing it in the correct way, one can... Uh, one can achieve immortality or or, or godlike uh, status, uh, and that brings us uh, to to the question of what it is that Jade Fox is actually doing with her alchemical uh, preparations. Uh, more than one Chinese emperor has, in fact, uh, poisoned himself uh, in the attempt to achieve immortality. Uh, Qin Shi Huang uh, was one. Uh, Yong of the Ming Dynasty is thought to be another. These emperors. Uh, uh, and others uh, consumed uh, alchemical potions which often contained uh, magical harmful substances like uh, mer- mercury or arsenic. Um, and the attempt here is to harness uh, uh, elements, vital elements of nature that will allow one to achieve immortality and uh, power.
0: These days, I, my, my day job, I work for a pharmaceutical uh, magazine, or mag for the pharma industry. And a thing that it can be easy to forget in medicine, but which is ultimately the case, is that most medicines these days are made from uh, molecules. And ultimately, those molecules have come from nature. Mm, I'm embarrassing myself here. Maybe some are synthesized these days. But the basin, the basics of medicine, i.e. Uh, keeping yourself healthy, prolonging your life, is all, it, all comes, it all comes from nature. And it can be from things hidden in nature, very strange little molecules and things tucked away or it could be much more, much, you know, the more simple traditional practices of taking a herb, this or that herb, and um, making yourself a little bit holistically more healthy. It's uh, it's not completely, you know, drawn from fantasy, that sort of idea, using nature to extend your life.
1: No, absolutely not.
0: <laughs> yeah, although don't do it with mercury. Again, listeners, you <laughs> won't go to jail, but you will go uh, insane, I think. Okay, so there was uh, another novel I wanted to compare this one to so in in the fox of the Foxbird of blue Soul mountain we have uh, a fragile young man who's visited in the night by a stranger and his life is slowly drained away until some boring old authorities get involved and put a stop to things in an epic battle against evil so I'd, I kind of just described Dracula except it's gender flipped it's a uh, it's a woman draining the essences of a man I don't know. Did, did that spring to your mind at all as you were translating it? I think there are there are definitely similarities there. Uh,
1: uh, a somewhat seductive but very dangerous uh, nocturnal creature um, has, has uh, implied sexual relations with the victim. Uh, I think it's uh, quite similar. Although I'm not sure in the Dracula tradition, uh, I'm not sure in the case of vampires, sometimes I'm not sure is it sometimes the case that one becomes a vampire
0: uh, oneself after receiving a bite or uh, one perish yeah. because too in, mm. in Dracula, the character Lucy does get transformed, and then our heroes have to kill her, and then mm. he goes for the other woman, Mina, who um what is it? Um is on the way to transforming before they finally kill him, and she gets to survive as a normal, a nice normal human. So I guess she's a bit more like the young master because he survives mm. as well. But obviously, the young master is never in danger of. Turning into a fox spirit and <laughs> living on the mountain with Jade Fox. Well, that wouldn't be so
1: bad, but that's that's has yeah. a difference with uh, with vampires because it's clear that the Young Master's health has been imperiled not because he's slept with Jade Fox once or ten times, but because uh, he's engaged engaged in excessive uh, sexual activity every night for months on end. And yeah. There's a lack of moderation there, and moderation, of course, being a very important Confucian uh, uh, virtue. Yeah. So that's the problem with fox spirits; they lead to obsession and addiction uh, and excess.
0: We're told he's losing his young, like his male energy, the the young opposite of the female yin. But you're right; it does feel just sort of like an arbitrary sort of code for, yeah, he's uh, he's wasting his life away and he's become bed bound because he's prioritized the in quotes the the wrong things he should be studying. So yeah, the 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 young thing is there, but the themes feel like the more yeah the themes and the ideas are handled quite well there because I think they they feel like the real reason he's wasting away which Mm. connects to I guess the more conservative part of the morality of the whole story uh that that's about as far as I think I can take the the genius um I'm sure no one ever thought of it before vampire comparison so I'll move us on to our next section the miscellaneous questions um well actually no, before I do that, I realized I did not ask you, I did not come up with any questions about challenges you had translating the novel. Um so I'll I'll do that now. What was it like working on this novel? Did you have any tricky translation um uh puzzles yet to figure out? Oh, it was was great fun. Uh, I think one of the challenges was uh
1: translating uh the poetry. Uh, mm. and I had great fun with the uh with the, the people at uh for Press. Uh you know, trying to translate uh, the poetry in a way that, uh, that uh, conveyed the original, but also uh, had a rhyme and meter uh, in, in translation. Uh, yeah. Which is always I, uh, fun and, and, and a
0: bit difficult. I've opened up the book uh, to find one. And often these poems come at the start of chapters. So we have like just the chapters, the first paragraph will just be three words. A poem goes and then you get a little four, four line poem. So I'll just read this one. The spirit fox's sorcery is broad to lofty heights the immortal's magic sails no evildoers rarely flee their fate and then say who is vanquished who prevails so still rhymes and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's got the right sort of tone i guess so yeah was um was it hard <laughs> um or was it um just a, a fun but not too mind-breaking challenge
1: Oh, it was was fun. Uh, I think to translate something, uh, like learning a language, it's similar. An element of uh, of 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 interest or seduction or love is uh, very important. And it was uh, particularly interesting for me to uh, to to look up some of the more obscure elements of Chinese folklore. Mm. Uh, in the novel, there are a number of quite obscure uh, references
0: to, uh, to 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 Chinese folklore that I wasn't previously. Uh, familiar with. So you mentioned Camphor Press and again reaching <laughs> back to the show's history I'll just point to listeners we've covered one of Camphor Press's uh, books publications before and that was The Flock of Ba and Other Stories which was um, some web fiction that was written uh, by a Chinese author to be sort of like Chinese style Lovecraft stories so again like horror and, and, and weird stuff and, and monsters so not much to say there other than it i, I appreciate that camphor press is doing some interesting unusual books that you might not see from other publishers and although being a sort of taiwan focused publication house they these two books are, are from the mainland and i guess the other one is from the internet technically so not from anywhere but they're from mainland authors so yeah just shout out to camphor press um an interesting publisher um, yeah, so now I'll properly take us on to the miscellaneous questions. Uh, first one is, could you suggest a Chinese word of the day for this story that sort of captures its essence? Yes, uh, the
1: Chinese word of the day that uh, is linked to this book uh, for me would be uh, Yuan or Yuan Fen, which means something like karmic affinity or karmic connection. The title of the Fox Spirit of Stone Mountain in Chinese is actually a Huli Yuan Quan Zhuan, which uh, literally means a complete account of a fox affinity. A young master has a karmic connection with Jade Fox, whereby their meeting is predestined. Now, the term uh, Yuan Fen, although it originates in Buddhism, is in fact used uh, quite widely uh, in everyday Chinese. It's often used in relation to romance and marriage. In meeting a partner, one often needs to rely on uh, Yuan Fen. But this concept of Yuan Fen can be used uh, much more broadly. For instance, it's a kind of a Yuan Fen that you have invited me to appear on your show today. Uh, and it's a kind of Yuan that your listeners are listening to this podcast now. So I think that's a, a nice word, an uh, interesting word with uh, deep, deep origins in Chinese Buddhism, uh, but uh, it's also a word that's used uh, uh, in everyday Chinese.
0: Yuan Fen. I will try to remember that one. <laughs> pardon me okay oh just gonna wait for that plane to go overhead can you hear that i can a little bit yeah it's the flight path from manchester and there's a train line right by the house as well so opening the window is always a bit of a gamble all right uh, next miscellaneous question uh this is probably an even harder one if you could pair a piece of music with this story uh perhaps the soundtrack for the film adaptation what would you go for
1: Okay, now, especially for the battle scene, uh, I choose uh, Megitsune by the Japanese uh, heavy metal girl band, uh, Baby Metal. No. Nah. Not sure if, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're familiar with them. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, Kitsu- yeah, Kitsune means uh, fox in Japanese and uh, oh. Megitsune means female fox. And, of course, the, the fox spirit tradition uh, the, 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 uh, also exists in Japan, not only uh, China. Uh, and the, the baby metal uh, band uh, members are said to be devotees of the fox god. Actually, even, even to this day, uh, 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 here in Taiwan, uh, certain, certain uh, people uh, who, who are involved in the entertainment industry uh, worship fox spirits. Uh, we've talked about fox spirits being a seductive uh, quality. So, if you work in the entertainment industry, if you're a singer or an actress, something like that, you can see why you might
0: want to acquire some of that foxiness. That's I, I did not expect. Baby metal, wonderful. I'll, I'll use this opportunity actually to really a, a fox spirit story that um, an adult student, a guy, his English name was William, told to me uh, when I was working in Shanghai. Um, I forget exact. I think that there there was a like a, it was a conversation class. It was one on one tutoring. And the question was something like, do you believe in anything supernatural at all? Like, could be re- you, your religion, could be aliens. And we, I just told him, like, the one or two ghost stories that I know that happened to me or to a friend. And he said, yeah, I do have a similar story myself. <clears throat> so I'm from uh, Dongbei, the far northeast. I'm from Hale. I think he was from Jilin. I think it was Jilin is where he's from. And he was, like, maybe early 40 something so when he was young China was quite a different place especially in the far northeast and he was given I I forget if it was a a job or he was on a a work trip or something but he was in this kind of unfamiliar new room I don't know if it was in a house or hotel quite a small room with a window and in a frame at the wall that his bed was facing there was a painting of a fox and he you know he associated foxes with fox spirits and um, unpleasant things. So I think he turned that portrait to face that painting of the fox to face the wall uh, so that he didn't have to look at it and be freaked out by it. And then in the morning when he woke up, his bed had flipped around. So his head was no longer at the other wall. And I think he's like, oh, I, I, uh, the fox is trying to tell me something. So he flipped the painting back around and he wasn't troubled again. I think he may have also said he felt like something was watching him as he was trying to get to sleep.
1: That's a yeah. that's a great story. <laughs> I,
0: I like it. Yeah, it it doesn't and it's nice and clean as well. It doesn't have anything raunchy. I don't think it was a jade fox. Hmm.
1: And and it does show that the fox spirit tradition isn't really something you know consigned to history. Yeah, uh, many many people you know do do continue to have superficial superstitions uh, involving fox spirits, or or they do uh, worship uh, fox spirits.
0: Yeah, and it. When he told me the story, I, I, don't, I think at the time I didn't really I didn't really know so much about fox spirits or like you know sort of Pusong Wing style stories. I associated foxes more with you know the sort of timeless figure of the trickster, like the fox, the wolf, mm. the jackal, and I guess you do kind of see that in fox spirits. They're not maybe not classic tricksters, but they do have that tricksterish element in that. They're not ambiguous. They're not, they're, they're ambiguous as to whether they're good or evil. Uh, they can transform. They're a bit slippery. Uh, <clears throat> they could help you or harm you. Yeah. W- William told, I'm, I'm pretty sure William told me that in, he said in the part of China I'm from, uh, or at least in my county or whatever, we, we, uh, there. you know, there's a particular s- strong belief in this or that fox spirit or fox God. So, yeah, I think at the time, I wasn't quite aware that there was a wider tradition of the Jing, And I thought, oh, is this some kind of like uh, older, you know, an older folk tradition uh, where you have nature an animal being the god rather than like uh, Confucius or Lao Tzu or something. And I thought, wow, that just makes it all the more arcane and spooky. But yeah, um, I'm waffling on a bit. So I'll, I'll tell you that the musical pairing I picked for this one. And it's literally just an album I started, It's from an album I started listening to uh, last week or something and I want an excuse to, to put some of it on the show. But I think the lyrics for this song I've picked are actually weirdly, they were weirdly appropriate for the relationship between Jade Fox and the Young Master. So I'll just I'll I'll be mega lame. I'll just read some of the lyrics in a very flat voice. So he says the, the, the vocalist uh Dave Palumbo from Head Automatica, who's amazing and sings these lines much better than I can speak them. Uh he says, Your body is a weapon and you're afraid it could get out. A friend of the devil, and you're afraid it could get out. And I thought that felt like a pretty good description of Jade Fox because whether it's as a seducer or as a child-eating animal um her body is a weapon and she doesn't like it when people talk about it that's another thing that pisses her off is being accused being accused of something she's done she won't she just won't tolerate being called out and also like he said uh, being publicly accused of being an animal when she's in disguise that that is uh, a trigger for her that's the kill switch that will get you uh, at least clawed uh, slightly so there's that and then it keeps going uh, she says so Dave Palumbo in his lyrics says, "Don't say I don't cut when I do, I do, I do. Don't say I'm lying when I'm true, I'm true, I'm true. Don't say we're healing when it's just not what we do." That I felt that said something too, because again, it's like stop contradicting me, stop telling me I'm lying, but then don't say we're healing. So when it's just not what we do, so there's this relationship she has with the young master that at times is kind of a sincere. Um, me- meaningful is not the right word sincere heartfelt relationship where they both get something out of it but ultimately it's it's going to be fatal for the young master it's a toxic relationship and it, it's not sustainable and it has to end it's not possible for her to heal it despite despite it being um powerful in their lives so yeah that's that's the song i picked maybe it was a silly choice but again i just wanted to crowbar in some head automatica for the listeners.
1: That's great. I think it really speaks to the, the deceptive nature of foxes, uh, of fox spirits, and also to, uh, to their, their dangerous uh,
0: sexual attractiveness. Yeah, indeed. Okay, uh, the next question, this is one that I'll be snipping out for the Patreon feed for uh, subscribers to that. It's a, a lighthearted question, maybe. So it goes like this. A fox spirit comes and knocks on your door. What do you do? Okay. Well, the
1: first uh, thing that I'd say I'd I'd want to ask is
0: okay. I will I will close that one off. A nice, short, and sweet bonus question. Uh, now we're going on to the the last the last sort of section. Uh, if our listeners would like more like the fox spirit of Bluestone Mountain, where would you direct them?
1: One I'd mention would be liao Jai uh, by uh, Paul Songling, uh, Strange Tales from a Chinese Studio. I've heard of the John Minford uh, translation is very good. Now, Lao Jai is, is the classic uh, Chinese collection of uh, stories about the supernatural, and it contains a great many stories about fox spirits. So that would really be the the classic uh, text uh, to go to if you want to find out more about the fox spirit tradition in China. Uh, the other book is another translation of mine, uh, Forthcoming, with Cambridge oh, nice. Press, yeah, which is also a Qing dynasty uh, fox spirit novel called Hu uh, Yao or Erotic Tales of the Fox Spirit. And as the name suggests, it's a much more explicit work, uh, rather pornographic in fact oh no and it, on, on, and it was on a list of uh of banned books during the Qing uh, dynasty it features our uh, depraved uh, fox spirit girls and also a uh, depraved uh, rabbit spirit boys um, <laughs> but interesting enough there's also a very pure very chaste uh, fox goddess uh, so that speaks to the, the two poles of the of the fox our concept, the, the raunchy uh, lower grade fox. And then finally you have the immortal fox who is very pure and chaste. And interesting enough, uh, uh, this pure fox has a father. She does have a father, which uh, both uh,
0: Monkey in Journey to the West and uh, Jade Fox don't. Yeah. So I guess on one hand, maybe a little bit more, uh, less of an existential crisis about her origins, but on the other hand, maybe she's got some daddy issues.
1: And really who <laughs> well, does she's she? Not, she- She's she's got a, a daddy who who will probably uh, object to her running away uh, every night. to have uh, have wild sex in a study with some uh, random uh, scholar.
0: Yeah, that's that's responsible parenting. Um, it's funny you mention uh, rabbit spirit boys. So I I don't know why this showed up in my feed. Maybe because it's Pride Month, actually. But I recently learned uh, through I think in Sub China's Instagram account about. What what rabbits mean for L, the I guess the Sinophone LGBT world and I did a you know a, a a Google dive which consisted of like reading some headlines and some some taglines of some articles and then not reading the article because I had to go head off to work but essentially I learned that I think Fujian and then by transmission Taiwan in in Fujian and Taiwan by transmission there's this um, again a sort of local rabbit deity which has become a bit of an icon for um gay men basically and i that if i remember right that's because in that rabbit god's story like he's a man with a male lover or something and there was a yeah i guess i did do more than sort of skim the article because it mentioned that although gay love stories weren't the mainstream or anything like that in um, pre modern China, they weren't treated as the same sort of censorship that arrives in like the, the 20th century. I think it was, uh, for whatever reason, modern, maybe because of Western influences, um, modernizers tried to banish that sort of culture, but it has resurfaced in a similar but slightly different form in modern queer culture. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to read a rabbit spirit story and see, see how it reads versus. A, a novel like The Fox Spirit of Bluestone Mountain.
1: And and that's interesting that you mentioned the connection with rabbits because, yes, uh, rabbits in ancient China were associated with male homosexuality. And in this book, these uh, rabbits are boys, they're, they're gay.
0: Uh, ah, there you go. Yeah, I used to, on my WeChat um, name, I had a little bunny next to, next to me. I had uh, Angus, Angus, and then a rabbit. And it was mostly because uh, I got myself a pet rabbit my first year in China. But then just as a conversation starter, I'd say, you know what, I I worked out what my spirit animal is. My spirit animal is a rabbit. Little did I know. (laughs) But maybe maybe that's why um, I was so popular at that time. I don't know. I'll I'll end that thread of the conversation and mention like where I might direct readers. I'd probably just point to two books I already mentioned. great little works of translated Chinese fiction and both relatively recent. One is Julia Lovell's new translation of Journey to the West because it's a a, a bit like uh, your translation of of this book. It did make me laugh quite a few times. Her translation is genuinely quite funny and it's also mercifully short relative to like the full non-abridged text, which I don't know, I'm not against big books, but um, I don't really care much for like the almost... 90s style tv show format of some of the chinese classics the long episodic structure i prefer something that's a bit more manageable to read like in little eveningly nuggets so there's that and then the other um i'm gonna point listeners to is the shadow book of ji yun uh, translated by yi Izzy yu and drawn Yu, who've got a really interesting thing going on where they're trying to sort of uh, tease out uh, the weird in in Chinese lit and also bring in I think in there they've got another book which pairs those weird stories of like the the Zhiguai with them glitch literature sort of like stories that posit the world as a matrix that we see the glitches in and that is just so up my alley Um, that's like someone took an idea I had in my dream and then made it their whole career (laughs) so I can't not point listeners to that so that that's all for me with uh, further reading and now, the very last question, what are you reading just now?
1: Uh, one Chinese book that I reread uh, very recently was uh, Fu Shang Liao Ji by Shen Fu, and it's available in English translation under the title Six Records of a Floating Life. Uh, it Thanks. was written almost two centuries ago in a beautifully limpid classical Chinese style, uh, and it records Fu's life and his reminiscences. In particular, it records a lot of domestic events That are not normally dealt with in traditional uh, Chinese texts. For instance he remembers the games he played as a young boy uh, pretending a toad was a monster intruding on his kingdom. Uh, His kingdom was a tiny uh, patch uh, of the garden near the wall and he spanked the toad and exiled it. Or he uh, trapped mosquitoes behind a net and uh, sprayed water pretending that the mosquitoes were wild geese Uh, soaring through drifting uh, clouds. Um, And in particular, his memories of his uh, beloved uh, wife who fell uh, ill and passed away at a young age uh, uh, are incredibly uh, poignant. Uh, He mentions, for instance, that she was very pretty but uh, had uh, slightly protruding incisor teeth. And I think it's uh, specific uh, details like that taken from life that uh, set the book apart and uh, make it uh, so poignant.
0: You've given me yet another opportunity to reach back to the show's history. Uh, I think I mentioned this one recently, actually, uh, but I had an episode on Radish by Moyan, which I loved because it's about, it's all from the perspective of a boy or it follows a boy. And it captures all those sort of strange interactions you have with the world as a kid where like your, your fantasies, uh, well, on one hand, you have fantasies that blur with the reality without much of a barrier but also your sort of apparatus for processing the world hasn't sort of fully formed. So there's a sort of a strange fuzziness to everything that I think goes away later in life. And any book that can capture that, what it's like to be a kid, I think is amazing because it is almost like it's an it's it's like an alien perspective that is hard to imagine as an adult. And yet we all lived through it. So like. I I don't think I ever captured a toad and spanked it as a kid, but like that kind of play, it's amazing that people were writing about that, you know? Oh, I'm going to close my window. Someone's hammering. Right. Yeah. So I'd heard about that book before, but now I'm even more sold. Right. So the book I am reading uh, just now is AI 2041. It's again, back to my, one of my favorites, Chinese sci-fi. So that's uh, co-written by Kai Fu Li. Who is not a sci-fi writer? He's an AI and tech expert, and uh, the other co-writer is Chen Choufan, who is a, a sci-fi writer. And I guess some listeners might already know the premise of this book. But basically, there are a series—well, not a series. There are each chapter has a story by uh, Choufan, where he takes a piece of technology, AI technology, likely to exist by 2041, the number they actually give is an 80% chance of it being a reality. He, he creates a drama around it. And then Kai-Fu uh, does a sort of analysis and commentary on the, the strengths, like the benefits that tech could confer, but then also obviously the downsides and the problems. Because if you're writing a story, you need to have some problems. And the impression, I'm, I'm only one story in so far, but the impression I'm getting is that being a business guy working in, in AI, Kai-Fu Lee is never going to say screw AI <laughs> he's always gonna uh, put a spin on it uh, but that's countered quite nicely by Chofan, Fan who is trying to write interesting stories and trying to be honest about some of the weird awful and also wonderful things AI can do so yeah that's the book I'm, I'm, I'm reading just now just a couple of days ago I finished And Yet by Christopher or a collection of Christopher Hitchens' last writings which If I was trying to think of something about as opposite from the Fox Spirit of Bluestone Mountain as I could, that might be it. There's nothing I can really say about that that's relevant to this podcast. So, yeah, that's what I'm reading. Nothing else from me here. Um, Tim, is there anything at all we've not hit on that you're dying to say?
1: No, I think that was a very thoroughgoing treatment of Fox Spirit.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'd love to at some point to I'll be back on to talk about your next book, if if it's not going to um, horrify all of my listeners, but that that could be fun.
1: Depends on their taste. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I think it might. Um, so I'll, I'll just say thanks very much for coming on, Tim. It was a, it was a fun book to read, and unsurprisingly, it was fun to talk about, and it read very nicely. So I think that's that's down to you and your translation. So yeah, um, I recommend listeners check this one out.
1: Oh, thanks very much. Thanks for having me on your podcast.
0: No problem at all. All right, we're getting near the end now. So one final great big thank you to Tim. Uh, Listeners, if you heard anything that he said or that I said that you'd like to respond to, either telling us that we're geniuses or... Correcting us slightly or just sharing your own thoughts in response, then please do get in touch. You can best, well, best way for you to do that, I would say, is through social media. Uh, we have a special Discord just for the pod. Link to that is in the show notes, but also um, we have a couple social media platforms. So there's an Instagram uh, account that is dedicated to the show, that's at trchfic, T R C H F I C. I run that. And then I also run my own Twitter account, which is not just for the pod, but mostly for the pod, and you can find me there at Angus Likes Words. If you'd like to support the show, probably the best place to do that is Patreon, because you'll get something in return. You'll get the bonus episodes that I put out. I, I try to keep a steady stream going. Some are the just very short bonus answers uh, from these episodes, but I do record like my own thoughts that can range from like 15 minutes to 45 minutes often it's on a book I'll be doing in a later episode. The link for that is in the show notes, but if you just want to slam it into your browser right now, it's patreon.com. There's also other ways to support the show. You can find those on the support page on the podcast homepage upon Podbean. Of course, the best way you can support the show is not financial, it's by spreading the word. So tell your teacher, tell your head servant, tell your local fake Taoist priest, and tell the fox and or rabbit spirit that is coming to visit you at some unspecified time. So that is well and truly the end of the episode now, which leaves only one thing for me to say. Saitian.